Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Crystal Silence League Hour, live from Divine Harmony Spiritual Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the LMC Radio Network, a show dedicated to open-minded discussion of spirituality, new thought, prayer, and the practical use of crystals. And now, your host, the Reverend John St. Germain. Welcome again to uh, a contiguous episode of uh, Crystal Silence League. I'd like to welcome, welcome, welcome you, by golly. And um, isn't it just a um, wonderful evening? Well, and um, it is uh, uh, a wonderful evening. Cold, cold, dark, and clear. And as we approach the winter solstice with the... uh, conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, many people are saying this is the star of Bethlehem um, approaching again. Will there be the second coming of the Messiah? Oh my goodness, wouldn't that be a great thing? We're uh, continuing our spiritual discussions, as you know, and the Crystal Silence League was, for those of you who don't know, was founded um, around um, 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purposes of uh, uh, distributing and projecting positive prayer and affirmation for those in need of such. And when he passed into the silence around uh, 1954, the league went with him until it was revived, rejuvenated, resurrected by magical adepts of uh, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. And uh, you'll find us at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And there we are, and uh, a wonderful organization it is indeed. So, you know, welcome, welcome. And uh, I was thinking about positive affirmation and uh, how it was kind of hijacked by, um, uh, you know, the positive thinking movement. And, of course, the power of positive thinking is uh, is a wonderful thing, uh, but it's not a panacea. It won't solve all your problems, you know. Uh, if you're having a hard time, you know, you know, do this just right right now. Just give it a try. Take a deep breath and say, I am full of power. I feel wonderful. I feel great. I feel terrific. Everything is all right in the world there. Didn't work. Did it? <laughs> because it didn't do a thing. Did it? Didn't do a thing for you. Did it? Uh, 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 positive thinking has to be followed up with positive action. Uh, uh, thinking and doing uh, hand in hand you know uh, of course uh, the thought is the father of the deed uh, you do have to start with thinking but you, you you have to follow it with action that's that's a necessary component well we'll talk more about that we'll talk more about that um the um um the whole idea of, of new thought was that physical infirmities and physical problems uh, arise from wrong thinking, and uh, we will certainly agree with that. Uh, 
we um, we were talking last week about dukkha, the uh, the idea that um, all things arise from this uh, impermanence and dissatisfaction of the world, um, that nothing in the world is permanent, unchanging, and that we cling to things and hope they don't change or that they do change in a way that we want, and uh, that this is a big problem. That some more. Um, that type of talk. Um, And it looks like we're going to have trouble with the blog talk radio with their connection. So um, we'll, we'll persevere. We'll persevere. And now it's time for our crystal of the week. Our crystal of the week uh, is uh, larvikite, which is a very interesting stone. Uh, when you look at this, it will look a lot like uh, unikite and other stones that uh, have a uh, a depth to them with uh, flecks. In it because it is field spar. It looks like a field spar. It's a member of the field spar family, and um, but it will be. It's a little bit different because it's got uh, silver and blue flecks in it. You 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 gaze within it, um, and uh, it's a uh, black stone with blue and silver flecks within it, and um, it's a stone that helps uh, create inspiration and creativity. Uh, it is supposed to help the etheric body cleanse itself of uh, spiritual parasites or, uh, uh, you know, spiritual uh, dirt, congestion, etc. Uh, and by doing so, it will help purify your uh, psychic visions. Uh, it can help you um, project uh, into the past, see the past clearly, and that means past lives as well. So it helps in past life recall. Um, uh, it can help you throw off negative spiritual energies, including um, negative spells, jinxes, things like that. It will repel negative energy of all sorts, evil eye, uh, just if you tend to pick up uh, negative energy from people. Um, it can um, help you achieve your higher self. Um, it helps you uh, get rid of mental fog if you're trying to learn new materials. Um it's very good for scrying as well, good for visions. You uh, get an orb made of this stuff, and uh, you can uh, go inside of it and see beneath the surface of things. Uh, it's very hard stone. Feldspar is a very hard stone. So if you make an in and um, the Uh, 
these days, I like to put it in a container and put the container in the water and let the uh, essence of the crystal permeate the water. Uh, but that's larvikite, L-A-R-V-I-K-I-T-E, larvikite, and uh, uh, not not an expensive stone at all. You can you can pick it up. I, I wonder when I talk about these things if people run out and make a collection of the Crystal Silence League Hour stone collection. Uh, um, I wonder, probably not, but 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 I just wonder. I just wonder. The uh, you know the his my history with crystals. Uh, it's always really interesting. I remember uh, in the eighties um, going to psychic fairs, and there were crystal people, and I was interested in crystals quite a bit. Um, I, I remember I used to like to collect shiny stones, right? And uh, when I was learning about it, uh, there was a lot of um, different models of crystal healing. Uh, there were people who had a uh, a model of crystals and chakras uh, from Atlanta, uh, not Atlanta, from you know, well, from Atlanta too, from Atlanta, Georgia, you know, uh, but from Atlantis and from Mu and uh, the New Age model, and uh, you would hear. Uh, sometimes in, and to this day, even if you pick up several different books, you'll hear different um, variations of, of stones. And so it occurred to me, I said, well, maybe since they're used in energy work, the safest thing to do would be to uh, match them to chakras, right? Um, well, then when you uh, look at chakras, you see that there's a lot of variations of chakra energy as well. So it can be confusing to the student, Um who's studying these things, um, especially if you're a person who, uh, uh, like many of us, who reads everything available. You get every, everything available and start to read it, and it's it's difficult to separate uh, what works for you. And I'm going to tell you the reason this is, is because um, um, metaphysical techniques are very personal Um Magical and energy techniques um, often are a manifestation of the person rather than the tool. And uh, many practitioners don't uh, don't even realize this. Uh, they'll find things that work and say, oh, this is how uh, the universe works. And they don't realize it's a personalized thing, right? Um, and so you get bitter arguments. You know, they'll say... Uh, no, no, no. Um, Snowflake Obsidian does this. No, no, no. You're wrong. It does this. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You get these bitter arguments like that. When in reality, yes, Snowflake Obsidian will do all those things. And it, you know, it depends on the tool. It's, you know, a hammer can be used to drive a nail, and it can also be used to uh, break a brick. Right? Um, you can also use it to pull a nail. To pull a nail, it can drive a nail and pull a nail. So. It's very interesting. Um, I've learned over the years not to be um, terribly uh, locked in. I truly apologize for this. I don't know why I'm apologizing. It's blog talk, but um, we are uh, we experienced the same trouble last week. We uh, just lose connection, and uh, and I look at my. Uh, internet connection and it's solid and I'm not losing, I'm not dropping internet. Um, this is indeed a blog talk, uh, problem that we're having. 
and uh, there we go. However, um, we we just roll right along. So let's turn this over to our good announcer. The time approaches for our weekly prayer service. If you are so inclined, join us at crystalsilenceleague.org to see this week's prayer request. We never announce names on the uh, Crystal Silence League prayer. We just go by prayer ID number, so please join me with uh, prayer ID number 100629. Who prays? I need prayer to stop the false accusations. K.R., who's the mother of my kids, is telling the Virginia administration and DHS in Mississippi trying to get money from me false when my kids get a check from me while she sits while she sits around and complains I'm disabled and she does nothing but abuse me. She practices black magic and has people she knows to pay witch doctors to help assist her wickedness and, and ill will against me. Amen. And prayer ID 100628, who says, permanently remove MW from MK's life. Make them despise each other right now. Make M leave M's life and destroy his relationship with her. Permanently break them up. All communication and interaction between them stop for good right now. Make M move on with another man and he comes back to me. Amen. Prayer ID 100627, who says, Please pray for my dear mother. She's a sweet, kind woman that has taken care of others her entire life. Her prognosis is not good. They say we have only a short time left with her, but I believe in miracles. I pray that her body is 100 percent healed, that she is able to spend more time with us. She wants to live and she wants to keep serving God. Please pray for comfort, for her pain and nausea to dissipate, that the angels continue to help and heal her. I need my mother. She is the glue of our family. Amen. In prayer ID 100626, who says, Please send a league of psychics to Denver. The supernatural happenings going on. We need your help with subliminals and the cults. Amen. And prayer ID 100622, who says, Father God, you know and see all. Stop the company I worked through from wrecking my 15 years of business with them. We are all independent contractors, and this company is now pushing those of us who are real, genuine, and honest to the back of the bus. So we do not get new customers. Their actions will cost me close to $4,000 a month in revenue. And I can't live on that level of loss. Protect me. Help me. God, block this evil. Take this company down to its knees. Show them the error of their ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Prayer ID 100621. I'm in the middle of uncovering my uncles and cousins, stealing my cut of my inheritance from my grandmother. I called and all they do is lie. I'm asking for prayer that this matter be resolved quickly with interest so I can move out of state. Amen. And prayer ID 100620. 
please pray for me to be protected from my new neighbor, her bullying, her drug-induced lifestyle, and the stress this has been causing me. Amen. And prayer ID 100619, who prays. Please pray I win the lotto to get out of financial burden and share it with my family and give to others, please. Amen. And prayer ID 100618. It says, thank you, St. Anthony, for your intercession. Please help me properly pay spirits loved. Thank you, St. Anthony, Expediti, Jude, Michael, St. Martin, Deportes, Francis of Assisi. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 100617. Who says, dear God, please help me get a two-bedroom flat in the new development as soon as possible. May I get a call for the new flats I've been bidding for? Amen. Prayer ID 100616. My son, LK, is meant to be my carer as I've chronic pain condition and need help, but he rarely helps me. Hurtfully, he often calls me lazy and swears at me for being unwell. I can't keep walking on eggshells around him. He's so moody. I need him to start showing me love and care to cease being moody and get his emotions on an even keel and to stop his threats of turning off the Wi-Fi, my only connection to others, and of leaving me and walking out. Please make him treat me lovingly. Amen. And prayer ID 100614 that DMM has eyes for JMM only, no matter what. J is the only woman that D loves, wants, and needs in his arms, and the only woman that he has feelings and attention for, no matter what. And, gosh, there's like 10 more prayers by this person. I don't have to go and delete most of those, and we don't have any more for like three pages, except for this person. So we're going to have to go. Let us um, take a moment of silent prayer for all those in need of comfort and support.
Amen. We've been discussing this whole nature of uh, consciousness and uh, will because uh, magic, spellcasting, positive thinking, um, uh, it's all very important to understand where this comes from. We take it for granted, uh, this whole idea of thinking and this whole idea of uh, I am. uh, uh, You know, Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. And the Buddha would have said, uh, no, you don't. No, you're not. And we, t- we we take this for granted, and uh, cognitive scientists have uh, uh, made this startling uh, conclusion that the idea of self, the self-awareness, is a uh, construction, and uh, that there's no inner core, there's no uh, fundamental self, and... Uh, of course, the Buddha and other ancient mystics had uh, figured this out 3,000 years ago and more, that the self is a functional construction of various components that are interrelated. Uh, sometimes the concept of anatta, anatta uh, is mistranslated as no self. And that's not what it means. It's not self, not self. That these components, when individually examined, are not self. That the body is not self. That the mind is not self. That the senses are not self. That feelings are not self. But working together, they create a functional uh, sense of self. I mean, obviously, you can't say you don't exist. I mean, that's crazy. And uh, uh, you'll see a lot of discussion on many Buddhist uh, forms and groups where they say there is no self. Self is an illusion, but that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy talk. If you go that, down that route, you will wind up with a, uh, a sense of disassociation. And many people have um, uh, gone into like psychological collapse trying to convince themselves that they don't exist, that their sense of identity is an illusion. That's a very wrong way to go. But you understand that uh, that's why if you meditate, you do need a teacher. You need a qualified teacher. Um, uh, You can go down many avenues of wrong thought um, and um, drive yourself crazy thinking these things. But we find that this whole idea of – uh, when one understands that this mental volition uh, is the same as thirst, uh, this desire that volition, will, the desire to be, karma and dukkha are all the same thing. We understand that dukkha is not something that's out there. Um, uh, that the cause, the germ of the arising of dukkha is within dukkha itself. That dukkha is not something out there. That dukkha, the the cause of dukkha is dukkha itself. And so the cessation of dukkha, uh, the destruction of dukkha is also within dukkha itself, not somewhere out there, right? And that's what is um, meant 
by the well-known formula that's repeated again and again um, in the uh, Buddhist texts, whatever is of the nature of arising, all that is of the nature of seizing, cessation. So a being, a thing, a system, if it has within itself the nature of arising, the nature of coming into being, it also has within itself the nature of its own cessation and destruction. And sometimes this is seen in many of the parables where, uh, uh, like there's a Zen story where there's an old monk and a young monk traveling, and uh, uh, the young monk notices that uh, the old monk has uh, nothing but his uh, bowl and a mirror. And he says, he says, uh, old man, do you carry a mirror with you? Are you so vain that you uh, admire yourself in the mirror? And the old monk says, oh, no, I look in this mirror because – I want to, you know, I remind myself that this is uh, um, the cause and the solution of all my problems, and uh, the arising and the destruction of dukkha. You see, and uh, so the five aggregates. You see, dukkha, the five aggregates of suffering, has within itself the nature of its own arising, and also the nature of its own cessation. So this idea of self, the five aggregates, the that create self or dukkha also has within it means of its own cessation. And that's where you go into the third noble truth, Naroda. So it's important to understand the Pali word for karma, kama, kama or karma literally means action. It means doing, it means action. But the Buddhist theory of karma has a specific meaning. It only means volitional action, not accidental action, um, not all action, nor does it mean the result of karma, as many people use it. Um, uh, you know, people say what goes around comes around, and that's karma. That's not what it means in Buddhism. Um, in Buddhism, the result of karma is called vipaka, or the fruits of karma. Um, in Buddhism, um, um, karma never means its effect. Its effect is known as the fruit or the result of karma. That's why you say uh, uh, a lot of times you'll say the, uh, due to a fortunate fruiting of karma, <laughs> you know, I, I found some money on the ground. So volition um, can be relatively good or bad, just as a desire can be good or bad. So karma may be good or bad relatively, right? Good karma, sometimes it's called kusala, uh, produces good effects, and bad karma, a kusala, produces bad effects. That's very logical, right? Um, thirst, volition, karma, whether good or bad, has one force as its effect. Force to continue, to continue in a good or bad direction. It's a momentum. It's like a Newton's law of karma, right? It's got momentum. So whether good or bad, it's relative, and it's within the cycle of continuity. It's what we call samsara, the world around us is called samsara, the continuity. And samsara is from a word that means wandering, wandering, W-A-N-D-E-R, wandering. The very word means, the very word implies restlessness. It's restlessness. It's wandering from, from activity to activity, from desire to desire, from existence to existence, never resting. And so, uh, a, um, 
the enlightened person, the arhat, the enlightened one, although he acts, they do not accumulate karma because they're free from the false idea of self. They're free from the thirst for continuity and becoming, and they're free from all the other defilements and impurities. And so for the arhat, the enlightened person, there is no rebirth, either moment to moment or um, after the death of the body. Now, this theory of karma should not be uh, mistaken for reward or punishment. There's no idea of moral justice or reward or punishment because that arises out of the conception of a supreme being or a god who sits in judgment, who's a lawgiver, and who decides what's right and wrong. This term justice is very ambiguous and dangerous, and in its name, more harm than good is done to humanity. The, uh, the theory of karma is the theory of cause and effect. It's action and reaction. It's a natural law, and it has nothing to do with the idea of justice or reward or punishment or restitution or vengeance. Every volitional action produces its effects or results. If a good action produces good effects and a bad action bad effects, it's not justice, it's not reward, it's not punishment. And it's not meted out by anybody or any power sitting in judgment on your action. But this is in virtue of its own nature, its own law. It's a natural law. So it's not, it's not that difficult to understand. If you, if you perform unskillfully or unwholesomely or bad, uh, bad result. You know, if you kill somebody, you don't have to have a book of law to let you know that that's going to produce bad action. You know, if you uh, violate the sanctity of somebody's marriage, you know, if you sleep with somebody's husband or wife, you know there's going to be bad results. If you steal something from somebody, you don't need a book of law or a uh, a higher power to punish you to know that's wrong. You know, if you um, – there, there are certain things, and these are uh, – even you know, we do have holy books and religious books that tell us this, don't steal, don't kill. Don't violate your uh, neighbor's marriage. Uh, uh, don't practice sexual uh, improprieties, uh, inappropriate sexual. Uh, you know, don't have sex with people who are uh, uh, sex, sexually inappropriate. This is in every religion, and uh, I've had this discussion with people and say, "Well, you know, what's sexually inappropriate?" Well, that's common sense. You should know. You don't have sex with people who are proscribed by decency, right? And, and uh, I mean, how hard-headed do you have to be to know that it's wrong to have sex with a minor or with somebody who doesn't want you to have sex with them, you know, as enforced sex, rape, or with someone who is in a committed relationship with someone else. You don't take advantage of that by manipulation. Or if you're in a position of authority over somebody, um, uh, blackmail, uh, robbery, coercion, you know, you know, how hard-headed do you have to be? This is not even a, a conversation I get into people with you know, uh, when they say, well, uh, that, that varies from culture. No, it does not vary from culture to culture. There are to this sort of thing. Um, so 
if, if a good action produces good effects and a bad action produces bad effects, this isn't justice. It's not weird laws that come into effect that make no sense. It's not something that uh, is a foolish regulation from an ancient book that uh, carries carries on to justice uh, uh, today that people try to uh, legislate. Uh, it's it's common sense, and so what's difficult in the Buddhist karmic theory, though, is the effects of a volitional action may continue to manifest even in a life after death. And to understand that, and this may be beyond the scope of uh, this co- this topic, you know, this. Uh, conversation, but people are very curious about this. So, um, and I've spent a great deal of, uh, talk about this with very learned people. So I'll, I'll, I'll be brief with it, but what is death according to Buddhism? What happens? People say, well, what happens after, if there's no soul, if there's no identity, what happens after death to a Buddhist? And a lot of people think that you cease to exist, that there's no, no, you don't, you do. Yes. But what what you know, what goes what is oh people get oh they get so they say well it's not logical it doesn't make sense yes it does well well if 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 as we've seen earlier a being is a combination of uh, these skandhas physical and mental forces or energy uh, a being is a combination of processes me, uh, mental forces or energies what we call death is the total non-functioning of the physical body. So do all these forces and energies stop altogether with the non-functioning of the body? Buddhism says no. Will, volition, desire, thirst to exist, to continue, to become more and more, is a tremendous force. It's a tremendous force. It's a tremendous momentum that moves whole lives, whole existences, that even moves the whole world the universe. And this is the greatest force, the greatest energy in the universe. According to Buddhism, this force does not stop with the non-functioning of the body, which is just a lump of clay, just material stuff, right? Does not stop with the non-functioning of the body, which is merely death. Death is merely the stopping of the body, not not this entire uh, psychophysiological force, right? But it continues manifesting itself in another form, producing reexistence, which is called punbarva, punbarva, rebecoming. So, to the person who who contemplates this, another question comes up: If there's no permanent, unchanging entity or substance like self or soul, what is it that can reexist or be reborn, rebecoming after death? Well. Before you go on about life after death, what is life before death? Right? What what is this life? How is it, how does it continue now? How does it continue now from moment to moment, from birth to middle age to death? Well, what we call life, as we have seen, is the combination of the five aggregates, a combination of physical and mental energies. They're constantly changing. They're not the same moment to moment. They don't remain the same for two consecutive moments. Every moment they are born and they die. And each moment conditions the the emergence of the next. And 
as Buddha said, when the aggregates rise, decay and die, O Bhikkhu, every moment you are born, decay and die. So even now, during this lifetime, every moment we're born and die, but we continue. And if we can understand that in this life, we can continue without a permanent, unchanging substance like self or soul, why is it so under, hard to understand that those forces themselves can continue without a self or a soul behind them after the non-functioning of the body? So when this physical body uh, is no more capable of functioning, energies do not die with it, but continue to take some other shape or form, which in our conventional understanding, which is by no means complete, we call another life. In a child, all the physical, mental, and intellectual faculties are tender and weak, but they have within them the potentiality of producing a full-grown man. And physical and mental energies, which constitute the so-called being, have within them the power to take a new form and grow gradually and gather force to the full being. Just as there's no permanent, unchanging substance in anything, nothing passes from one moment to the next. Nothing passes from one moment to the next. If you have a chain of billiard balls and you hit one at the end, something passes from one ball to the other and the ball at the end moves. And yet, none of the balls remain changed. But an energy is passed through the balls. So quite obviously, nothing permanent or unchanging can pass or transmigrate from one life to the next. It's a series that continues unbroken, but changes every moment. And the series, truly speaking, nothing but movement. It's like a flame that burns through the night. It's not the same flame, nor is it another flame. A child will grow to be a man of 60. Certainly the man of 60 is not the same as the child of 60 years ago, nor is he another person. Just exactly like that, a person who dies here and re-becomes elsewhere is neither the same person nor another. It's the continuity of the same series. That's very hard to, very hard to grasp. I mean, uh, I've seen uh, monks give this talk and people in the audience uh, – you know, who are very materialistic, just shake their head. It's just like, no, 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 no. When you're dead, you're dead. You know, you can't say that a person who dies here and a baby that's born halfway across the world is the same. You know, it's like, no, no. See, that's because of conventional uh, reality. There, there are two types of reality uh, that we ex that we live in, conventional reality and ultimate reality. And the uh, enlightened people, see ultimate reality uh, your ordinary people you know like us we see conventional reality and see that's the difference um, the continuity of the series so the difference between death and birth is only a thought moment there's um, a type of consciousness called death consciousness which conditions the rebirth consciousness of the new being the dominoes that fall, these thought moments that we have in life, boom, 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 one moment of thought consciousness conditions the other. This is explained in the Abhidharma. If you want to freak your mind out, get the comprehensive manual of Abhidharma, study Buddhist psychology. These moments of thought called cheetahs go boom, 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 boom. At the moment of death, that last thought moment, boom, conditions the rebirth consciousness of the new being, boom. 
it's not uh, and this goes on you know for like millions of lives and uh, so um the last thought moment in this life conditions the first thought moment in the so-called the so-called next life um which in fact is the continuity of the same series so during this life itself too one thought moment conditions the next thought moment so from the buddhist point of view the question of life after death is not a great mystery and so the buddhists don't don't even worry about it you don't even worry about this problem it's not a problem it's not anything to give any thought to um so long as there's this thirst to be and to become the cycle of con and now we'll pause for station identification and now we'll pause for station identification And now we'll pause for station identification. And now we'll pause for station identification. <laughs> 